Proverbs chapter number four tonight. Go down to verse number 10 and we'll continue our study on, on wisdom tonight. And uh, I'm gonna preach on this thought tonight, a secret that everybody needs to know. And uh, we'll get into that tonight. And uh, it's one of those good secrets, amen. You need to, It's not a secret you're supposed to keep secret, it's a secret you're supposed to tell. And I guess if everybody knows it, it's no longer a secret, uh, but it's a secret that everybody needs to know. Look at verse down, verse number 10. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. He's speaking of wisdom and instruction there. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the, ju of the just is the, is the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not what they, uh, at what they stumble. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you again for tonight. We ask you, Lord, this evening, God, that you take your word, God, and Lord, it's not me tonight. It's not my mechanics or my ability but, Lord, it's the very precious word of God tonight that's going to make a difference in our life. And I ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd help us, Lord, to glean from your word, God, eternal truths, uh, God, that we can apply and live in our everyday life now. Lord, help us to be people of wisdom. Lord, help us to be children of God who have knowledge and instruction and wisdom and don't just possess it, but practice it. I ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd work in our hearts tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the book of Proverbs. God, much wisdom we've already gleaned, Lord, in these first few chapters. Lord, I'm excited for what the rest of it holds tonight. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you just help us one more time. God, help us to glean. God, help us to learn. Lord, would you challenge our hearts? God, would you convict us tonight, encourage us, strengthen us, comfort us tonight? Lord, I'm thankful tonight, Lord. I don't know what everybody needs here tonight, but Lord, you do. And Lord, you've already prepared something for them. We love you, we thank you, we'll give you the glory, we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Tonight we live in a world where nobody wants to die, right? Nobody, nobody wants now as a born-again believer, as a child of God, someone who's put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Fear is not something, or death is not something that I fear in the sense I know where I'm going once that takes place, I know when I take my last breath, I know exactly where I'm headed tonight and it has nothing to do with what I've done. It's all upon the authority of God's word and what Christ has already done for you and I tonight. But in essence, when we look at our society, we look in the world that we live in, we are living in a world where nobody wants to die and they're willing to go to far extremes to prohibit that from coming, right? And they'll go from different avenues and different ways to try to keep themselves from dying. Some turn to diet and exercise. Now tonight I have nothing against those things. Right? I understand the Bible says that bodily exercise profit the little, but can I say tonight there is there is profit to it tonight and there's, there's, there's some blessings and some encouragement that comes from there. There's some health benefits that come from that. But if we are solely doing those things because we think the more we do it and the better we are at it, therefore we now have taken control of our death date, that's not necessarily true. 
or it's not true not because God is the one who, who authors those things. God is in control of those things. He's the giver and taker of life tonight. But many people turn to that, right? And they say, well, I've been doing this and I've been doing that for all these years now. And, and they do it because they're afraid of death. Some turn to pharmaceuticals. Right, they're looking for the miracle pill. They're looking for the thing that'll take away all the pain and give them all the years of their life. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's because of what's taking place in these past few years of my life or, or beginning to do my own research, my own uh, studying tonight, but I'm starting to realize that the very same people that are selling you the pill, a lot of times are the very same people that are causing the problem. Right, and you sit back and you say, well, this doesn't make sense. Right, well, why do people buy into those things? Why do people not, not, why don't people question those things? Because most people think, if I take this, then I'll live longer. All right, I'll escape my, my appointed time with death, so to speak. They turn to pharmaceuticals. Some turn to science, right? They bioengineer and genetically modify this, that, and the other. I was reading about a man, he owns a business somewhere here in America. I don't know much about him, but they said through, through science and surgery and, 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 and bioengineered mechanics and genetically modified this, that, and the other, he's knocked 20 years off of his life. In the essence, he, he, he's 43 years old, or he's, he's 53 years old, but he looks like, they said he has the body of a 23-year-old. I thought, well, that's interesting. How do you explain that? How do you come up with that? Well, why is he doing that? Because they're looking for a fountain of youth. They're looking for something that'll take death out of the picture. Right, something that'll, that'll make them think, well, I, as long as I, I miss out on death, then everything will be fine. But they're all failed attempts or not. Right? I don't care how much money they pour into it. I don't care how much uh, time and, and, and talent and energy and education they pour into it. There, there's no way tonight that you and I can escape death. How do you know that, preacher? Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man or men once to die. Right? That, is a, that is an appointment that all of us will make tonight. There's going to be a time in our, in our life and in, 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 in the future tonight that this mortal body will be shed for immortality. Right? There's going to be a place where that has to take place tonight. But when we see it or not, so many people are trying their best to escape death, right? To prolong it. That is their source. That is their sole focus. That is their sole desire. And in doing so, they, they miss the reality of why God has given us wisdom. Why God is willing to give you and I wisdom. Wisdom isn't the secret to cheating death tonight. Tonight, the secret I'm going to share with you tonight that I found in the word of God, really, there's it's two points tonight. It's not so you and I can learn how to prolong death. Right, to keep it at the keep it at bay as if I'm in control of it tonight. I'm not in control of those things. Right, and here's the thing. I know as, as a preacher, I've stood at way too many funerals of born-again, blood-washed, saved by the grace of God believers to know that, listen, if they can die and they made their appointment, then I'm going to make it too. But we see here tonight that wisdom isn't a secret of cheating death, but look down at verse number 10. He says, hear my son and receive my saying in the years of thy life, shall what? Be many. So you're saying, preacher, that's right there, wisdom saying if, if we have wisdom, we, we apply wisdom, we follow wisdom, God's going to add years to our life. Our lives and our, our years of our life will be many. Now tonight, here's the thing, I've, taught, I've heard of some people's testimony, they ate everything right, they, they exercised and they did this and they did that and they lived to the ripe old age of you know, 98 years old. 
And so no doubt there's some physical, probably some physical truth to that, but then I've also read stories of people who are 110 years old who ate chocolate cake every day. Right? And so tonight, that's, that's not what we're here for tonight, but wisdom isn't a secret of cheating death. But notice this, uh, what is wisdom? It's a path to a meaningful life. Thy years shall be many. In essence, wisdom allows you and I, as born-again children of God, to understand why I am here. And if I understand why I am here and why God has placed me here, then I now have purpose in my life that nobody else has. Right? No, nobody outside the grace of God has tonight. And because I have that tonight, therefore I can live a life full of purpose. And so we're going to see here tonight, wisdom allows you to get the most out of this life. Right? For instance, uh, it's not necessarily getting more years added to the, the numerical age of your life. But how many of us know some people who died before our age that we currently are, but they did great things for God, right? They've got a great testimony. They've got a, a great uh, work that they did. Many souls were saved. People helped. And yet they didn't live as long as some other people. But we also know people who lived to the ripe old age of their 90s and their 100s. But if you look at their life and you analyze it tonight, they did less for the God for the people than the people that died at a younger age. What's the difference there, preacher? Wisdom. Wisdom tonight. Wisdom allows you and I to live a life that is full of purpose for the glory of God. I believe every Christian, I believe every Christian can live a full life of many days by following the two guidelines given of wisdom here tonight. Look at number one tonight. There must be, there must be an application of instruction. There must be an application of instruction. Look down at verse number 11 tonight. He said, I've taught thee in the way of wisdom. I've led thee in the right path. So first of all, how does one apply instruction? Well, there must be a great example. And here tonight, this is Solomon writing the book of Proverbs to his children, to his boy, uh, to his son. He's mentioned them often, oftentimes throughout these first few chapters. And at this point in Solomon's life, I believe that Solomon had yet to go down the path that he went on at the end of his life. And so at this point, Solomon had lived a life that he said, hey, son, look what I've done or look what God has done through me. Here's a great, he said, I've taught you, right? I, I've told you the wisdom and given you the truth that God has given me. I led thee, right? I've, I've lived a, the right life in front of you tonight. And here's the thing tonight. He said, well, preacher, but Solomon messed up. Solomon went crazy at the end of his life. He did. I, I still would advise nobody to ever pursue 700 wives or 300 concubines or the other way around. And I can't remember which one it is. It's one of, neither one of them's good, amen. <laughs> neither one of them's a good path to go down. Right? And so, but you say, well, Solomon wasn't perfect, preacher, so we can't follow Solomon's example. Well, tonight, the example was never just to be Solomon. Right, because in the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus is, is teaching and talking to people in Luke chapter number 11 and it, right there in the midst of everybody, what does he say? There is one here that is greater than Solomon. Well, who is it? That's the Lord. And so as a Christian, right, our, our, our example is not just the preacher. It's not just mom and dad. It's not just a Sunday school teacher. It's not just sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so. Ultimately, our example is the Lord. And give me one example greater than the Lord tonight. 
And if he, so if he's our greatest example, then when we listen to him in his word and we watch him in the Bible and we see how he acts and we see what he says, that ought to be emulated in our life. Right? We ought to imitate that in our life to be like the wisest thing you and I can ever do tonight is to follow the example of Christ. And here's the amazing thing. You look at the gospels and you watch Christ live. And he gives us an example for most things that we always question or have questions about. Right? He teaches on it. He tells us those things. Preacher, how do I deal with people who don't like me? Jesus said, pray for them. <laughs> how, do I, how do I deal with people that, 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 that persecute me and come against me? Jesus said, love them. Pray for them, right? Help them. What do I do, preacher, in this scenario? What if I do in this scenario? Go look at the life of Christ and then follow his example. And so we see it tonight, there's a great example in verse number 11. Then verse number two, there's a great expectancy. Or excuse me, verse number 12 tonight. Verse number 12, when thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Right, so here Solomon says, son, if you follow my example, which really isn't my example, it's the example that God gave me. When you follow that example, not only is there a great example, but there's a great expectancy. When you take God's word and it becomes more than just something you can memorize and more than just something you tuck underneath your arm when you're going to and from church, but when it becomes who you are and it's what you practice, it's what you believe tonight, he said there's a great, there's something you and I can expect when that happens and it's right there in verse 12. What is that? When thou goest, thou steps will not be straightened. Here's the thing tonight, when you walk in truth, you're walking in liberty. And when you're walking in the, in the truth of God's word tonight, that word straight means to be bound. It means to be cramped. <laughs> the other night, when TR, I called TR up here the other night, he came up here and his leg was asleep, right? There was something different about his gait, his step. It was not what it normally is tonight. And the same thing is true in our life, right? When we know the truth, right? When you walk within the confines of the word of God, this is your guide, this is your direction tonight. You walk an unhindered life. You walk a life that is full of liberty and full of strength and power. But the moment you and I tonight step outside of that, right? Instantly we become hindered. Right, that's why when you, you, you know, Christians think they're real, we think we're really good at hiding things. Right, because we come to church, we got a smile on our face. Right, we got our Bibles, we know when to say amen. When the choir's voice goes up, our hand goes up. Right, we've got all that figured out. But the truth be told, told tonight, you and I can't hide jealousy. Right, <laughs> wait until the service is over and start talking to people. Boy, you'll find jealousy. Right, you'll find envy, you'll find all those things and we can act like they're not there and we'll have a, a hindered walk tonight or we can go and say, you know what, this is not the example that Christ set for me, therefore I'm not gonna walk this way anymore because when I walk in the way that Christ taught me, there's some things I can expect, it's an unhindered walk tonight. Notice this, he said we won't be hindered by ourselves, we won't stumble in our running. Look what he says right there in verse number 12, when thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened and when thou runnest, thou shall not Stumble. Who in here has ever stumbled, amen? Boy, who in here has ever run and stumbled? Right? It's, it's, not a, it's not a fun experience. Right? Some of us are more prone to do it than others. Some of us have a, a natural inclination to stumbling. But what we see here tonight when it comes to the Christian life, right? How many of us have known some people? Or maybe even ourselves, right? We ran with all that we had. And all of a sudden we allowed something to creep in that was not what God has shown as the example, 
Right, we got our eyes off of what God has given us the example of. We got our eyes on maybe numbers. We got our eyes on success. We got our eyes on money. We got our eyes on this, that, and the other. And the moment we did that, in the midst of our running, we began to stumble. I remember watching a video one time. I think it was on YouTube. And there was a, there was a, it was a high school homecoming. And the girl was walking out there to receive her crown. And about halfway there, her high heel gave out. And her legs became like a baby deer. And she just kept stumbling and stumbling and stumbling. And finally, somebody from the crowd hollered out, just go down. Right? I think a lot of times in our Christian life, we become so accustomed to stumbling. Right? We'd rather just keep stumbling along than to stop and repent and say, this is not the way God designed this to be. God said, if I follow his example, I can run without stumbling. And I can walk without my legs being straightened tonight. And so tonight when we follow the great example of Christ, there's a great expectancy. We can run without stumbling. We can walk without being hindered. But then verse number 13, there's a great appreciation. Look at verse number 13. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. I mean, Solomon takes it to a whole other. He said, son, I ain't just giving you lie. I ain't just giving you good advice. I'm just not telling you something I heard. I'm not just telling you something that sounds good. I'm not telling you, he said, I'm telling you something that is, that is absolutely needed and necessary in order for you to live and to live a godly life and to live a life that is successful, not in the eyes of men, but in the eyes of God tonight. When, when God told Joshua, when he was about to take over the nation of Israel, and he told him the secret to success, you know, it didn't have anything to do with how he talked to people. It didn't have anything to do with his past credentials. It didn't have anything to do with his ability as a warrior and as a fighter. He told Joshua to love, the, 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 pretty much to love the word of God. That's where you find success. To meditate on it day and night. To have a relationship with the word of God tonight. And there's a great appreciation. Tonight. There ought to be a great appreciation in our life for this thing called wisdom. He says, take hold to it. He said, son, hold on tight to it. Right? Don't act as if something flippant, it's something cheap. Right, I grew up in the generation, every time we went to McDonald's, every time we got a Happy Meal, my dad got upset. Why did he get upset? Because every time in that Happy Meal, there was a P, he called it Japanese junk <laughs> and Chinese something else. <laughs> but we'd have those things and we'd have it for like five seconds and it would break. Right, and we, 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 I grew up in a generation, if it broke, you, you just threw it away because it was cheap to go get another one. Now, some of y'all came up in a generation where things were built differently, Amen. It, was, it, was, it wasn't a rare thing for a car to last more than five years. Right? The things were built differently back then. And when it comes to wisdom, we can't look at it as something, well, if we mess it up, if we get it wrong, we'll just throw it out. There's always another one. There's only one source of wisdom tonight, and that's God. And so we'll see tonight, there ought to be a great appreciation. Notice what he says here. He says, take fast hold. Uh, he said, hold on to it tightly. Not, 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 not a loose grip tonight. Hold on it as if your life depend on it because it does. Because he says in the rest of the verse, it is for she is thy life. Let her not go, keep her, cherish her, guard her, love her. She is thy life. Wisdom is, is, is something, isn't something you can go without tonight. You and I absolutely need wisdom. And so when you and I see the great example, which leads to a great expectancy, there's a great appreciation. Right? Well, we're thankful for the wisdom of God tonight. And then you go down to verse number 18, there's a great explanation. Right? There's a great explanation. Look down to verse number 18. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. 
Nessus and I, the more you and I walk in the wisdom of God, the brighter the path gets. Well, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, for two reasons, right? First of all, as you and I live the Christian life and we're saved by the grace of God, where are we headed tonight? We're headed to heaven, right? And so the closer we get to heaven, the brighter the light gets, amen? We're headed to a place where there is no sun, right? Because the S-O-N shines bright enough to illuminate the whole place. Think about that tonight. He's so bright that he can keep a place lit for all eternity. <laughs> That's power, Amen. Georgia Power can't even get a thing on, on board to go. And they're saying, hey, you know what? We're going to make everybody else pay for it. Makes me mad, amen. <laughs> Which I had somebody else besides Georgia Power. But notice here tonight, he said, hey, there's a, there's a, there's a, great, ex, a great expectancy. As the closer we get to home, right, the brighter the light gets. And, I, and every, I was reading this today, and I couldn't help but think about Miss Holly's mama, Miss, Miss D, when she passed away. Right, there was pain. There was, there was times where she didn't feel well. But she went out singing, didn't she, Miss Holly? I think it got brighter and brighter as she got closer and closer. Why? Because we're headed to a place of eternal light tonight. It ought to get, in essence, tonight, if you get closer to that light, the closer and closer you get to that thing, it gets brighter and brighter. Matter of fact, I stared right at it, and I can't see half of y'all. <laughs> right? There's a great explanation. We get closer to home, but also you get closer to him. Right? Because there's only one source of wisdom. And so if you're gaining wisdom, you're taking in God's word and you're applying it and you're, you're implying the instruction, you're following down the path, right, that, that draws you closer to him, therefore it gets brighter and brighter. There's an insight, there's a revelation, there's, a, there's an illumination is probably the best word for that. You, all of a sudden you can step back and you can see things like God sees things. And he gives you insight on those things tonight. So there's a great explanation. He said, listen, if you, there's an application of instruction. You follow Christ's example. You, you follow the wisdom that he gives you. There's a great expectancy. You can run and walk without being hindered. And you'll learn to appreciate wisdom. The closer you get to the one who gives wisdom, the brighter your path's going to be. Let me ask you that. Does your life lack purpose? If it does, are you applying the instructions of wisdom personally to your life? So tonight, if we're, if we're going to have a life full of purpose, we have to apply the instruction given to us concerning wisdom. We have to get wisdom, listen to wisdom, apply wisdom, and live in wisdom tonight. So he said, number one, there must be an application of instruction. But notice number two, there must be an abstaining from evil. There must be an abstaining from evil. You know, it's amazing how, and tonight I've only got two points for you tonight, so if you wrote down number three, I'm sorry. All right, turn it into a smiley face. But and in essence, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of times we overcomplicate the Christian life. Right, we make it mysterious and spooky and, and mystical and all those new age terms tonight. When really it's cut and dry, obey, disobey, right, wrong, black, white, in that sense, right? It is, it is truth, lie. And so tonight, listen, if we're going to say, all right, I need to apply the application of instruction in my life, then at the same time, I can't do that and pursue things that are evil, pursue things that are wrong, pursue things that are wicked tonight. Right, a lot of times we, we, we like to take the Christian life like a buffet. Right, we walk through the buffet and we say, this is what I want, this is what I want, and this is what I want. Right, I think one of the most lonely places you'll ever go at Golden Corral is a salad bar. Right, people hardly go there. Why? Because when you take a salad bar and you compare it to the chocolate fountain over there, that you can dip anything you got in there, or you go by the dessert and they've got 19 different kinds of cheesecake that you didn't know existed. And something inside you says, as a cheesecake connoisseur, I've got to try all of them. 
Right, you go there and they've got you know fried chicken, they've got beef, they've got pork, they've got pizza, they got all of that. And you see like you know the, the, the salad bars over there just begging for somebody to come. Spend some time with the salad bar. Right, but a lot of times on our Christian life, that's how we treat it, right? Lord, give me the chocolate fountain. Lord, give me the give me the cheesecake. Lord, give me the easy things tonight. But reality is that if it's you and I choosing what we're doing, then we're not doing the will of God. Rather, it is, God, here's my plate. God, you take me wherever. Lord, if it's a salad bar, give me a taste for broccoli. Lord, if, it, if it's something that nobody else wants to do, I'm fine with that, Lord. Right, so there's got to be an application of instruction. There, there has to be an abstaining from evil, right? You can't just say, all right, do this. But there's also a reminder, you can't. You're not supposed to do this. Now, here's the thing. When we talked about doing the right stuff in point number one tonight, there was, a, there was an example given, follow Christ. There was an encouragement. Hey, if you do, this is what you can expect. Or this is what you can, you, you, you can actually look forward to. There's an expectation. Yes, I, I know where I'm heading. I know where this path goes. But when it comes to dealing with things that are wrong, right, we don't deal with it in the same sense that we deal with encouraging somebody to do right. And whether you realize this tonight or not, we all function this way. At some point or some way or some, some, somehow, we, we all do this this way. When it comes to trying to tell somebody not to do wrong, we don't do it the same way we encourage somebody to do right. Right, when we encourage somebody to do right, we say, hey, this is how you do it. This is what you can expect. This is why you should do it. When it comes to telling somebody to do wrong or somebody not to do wrong or to warn them, right, it starts with a command. It sounds like this. Stop! Right? Think about this. If you've got a, if you've got a child that is walking towards, uh, a toddler that is walking towards an outlet, right, and you know the danger that is there, right, this is how it happens. You say, stop! There's a command. Right? Stop! And then there's an explanation. That will electrocute you. That is an outlet. And then there's an expectancy. If you touch that, you're going to get hurt. We're going to have to go to the hospital. I'm going to explain myself to the doctors. Right? So, but how many of you do that in reverse order? Oh, you must be wanting to go to the hospital. Because that's an outlet. And it'll electrocute you. So please stop. That's not how we handle that. I don't, I don't know how you handle it, but if it's me, stop. That's an outlet. It'll electrocute you. Do you want to go to the hospital? Do you want to get hurt? Right? And so, in essence, when it comes to encouragement to do right, right, you give the example, you encourage them, the expectation. When it comes to keep somebody from doing evil or doing wrong, right, there's that sudden command, stop. Right? There's an explanation. And then there's an expect, expect if, if you don't stop, here's where you're fixing to go. And we see that right here in, in Proverbs chapter number four tonight as well. Notice the command in verse number 14 and 15. He says, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Pretty clear command. Don't go there. But then he, he goes to verse number 15 and he highlights it, right? Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. None of those tonight say, hey, it's okay. Get close to it. Right, it's as if, you know, there's like sign after sign after sign after sign. It says no trespassing, trespassers will be persecuted. If we find you, uh, you will go, you know, we, we will call the authorities on you. Do not trespass. And you say, you know what, they're not talking about me. It's okay, I'm gonna go fish that pond, even though all the signs say I'm not supposed to. And then they show up and you're like, oh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Right, and tonight here when it talks about the things that are wicked, things of this world, things that we know go against God's word. Solomon said, don't even play with it. Right, don't go anywhere near it. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. Get away from it as fast 
as you can. Right? I don't think you can make it any clearer or not. Warning signs shouldn't intrigue us. Rather, they should warn us to not go into those areas and not to pursue those things. So there's a command. He said, stay away from evil. Abstain from it. But then there, he gives an explanation in verse number six. Why? Why should we stay away from evil, evil and evil men tonight? Those who, who are, are possessed by this world or possessed by Satan, right? And they are, they are living not for God. They're not living for, for spiritual means. They're simply living for the, this world and for, for things that we know are wrong. Why should we avoid those kind of people? Notice what he says in verse number six. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. I know there's some, some, some language in that sense, and you think, well, that's not sound, but you, you begin to break it down. You'll realize why he's saying don't go anywhere near this, right? Abstain from evil, flee from it, avoid it, pass not by it. Don't go anywhere near it. Why? Verse number 16 says they cannot rest until they've done wrong or taken advantage of somebody. Tonight, you know there's people out there, that's exactly their heart tonight. That they will not rest until they take advantage of somebody. And they will not stop until they hurt somebody. They will not stop until they get what they think is theirs. So they've done somebody wrong. And here, Solomon said, son, don't go anywhere near that. Oh, you might think you're big enough and bad enough, but you won't be. Right? He said, they will literally get their focus on you. And they'll do their dead level best. And they won't quit until they get what they want from you. Here, here's some, you know, you, here you come strolling along, ignoring, ignoring the warnings. Oh, it ain't going to affect me. It ain't going to stop me. Listen, can I say the devil's taken out far greater than you and far greater than me tonight? That's why we need to heed wisdom and abstain from evil tonight. Now, he'll become, then verse number 17, they only have one appetite. They only have one appetite. Look at verse number 17. For they eat the bread of wickedness. They eat the bread of wickedness, that which is wrong. They are sustained by it. Right, tonight, when you get hungry, you, you, you hunger and you, you, you hunger for something of substance tonight. Right, oftentimes we, we read about bread in our Bible as a means of sustaining somebody or, or taking care of somebody. You think about the, the Israelites in the wilderness. God sent them bread and he, he sent them manna and he sent them meat tonight. And you think about Jesus and I'm the bread of life, amen. Whoever eats of me will never, never hunger again, right? We know that tonight, but when it comes to the opposite side of that, those who are, who are, who are just, I mean, they are eat up, they, they live for, they love evil things, right? That is their sustenance. That's what they're living to do. They're sustained by it, but then it goes on to say in verse number uh, 17, and drink the wine of violence. Right, not only are they sustained by it, but they indulge in it. Right, a little is not good enough for them. Right, a little is not good enough for them. They want as much as they can tonight. And that's why we're commanded to stay away from them. Right, don't go near them. Don't, don't, and I'm not just talking about a specific group of people tonight. I'm talking about the, the, the spirit of our age, the, the, the world that we're living in tonight, the society that surrounds us tonight. Right? Well, he said, stay away from it. I know we're to be in the world, but we are not of the world. Right? We, we have to live in this world. We have to go to work. We have to do those things tonight, but we do not have to be like they are. Right? How does, <laughs> preacher, I want somebody to see Jesus inside of me. That's great. That's wonderful. But you're going to have to live different than everybody else. Right, you're going to have to live different than everybody else. Now, the explanation, the command, and he goes, in the verse 19, he gives the, the uh, expectation. Well, I've warned you. I've told you why. But if you keep going, here's what's going to happen. Look at verse number 19. The way of the wicked is darkness, and they know not at what they stumble. 
They know not what they stumble. Imagine being in that surrounding. You who has the light of the world inside of you. Hanging out in a dark place, not trying to make a difference. Not trying to, to, to win them to the Lord. Right, you are, you are, you've been grasped by them. Now you who has light inside of you is trying to hang out in a dark place. That's about as, makes about as much sense as trying to hide a flashlight. That's turned on. Right, Jesus, we talked about the other Sunday. You, 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 we already have enough Christians trying to be worldly. We need something to be like Christ. Right, so, but if you go down there, here's what you can expect. It leads to dark places. It leads to dark places and it causes us to stumble. It causes them to stumble. But notice the difference here tonight in verse number 19. They, they don't know where they stumble. Right? They, they don't know why they're stumbling. They don't know why their, their life's a wreck. And they don't know why everything's falling apart. But then here you are as a Christian who knows why. And you're trying to act like you're stumbling with them. Boy, it's hard. I don't know what we're going to do about this. You know exactly what it is. It's called repentance. Get right with God and go back to where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing tonight. So we ask ourselves tonight, are we applying instruction? Are we abstaining from evil tonight? Are you following the commands of God to stay away from evil so you can live, live a life fully? For him. I don't want to just give God this year of my life. I want to give God every year of my life. Every day of my life. Right? How do I do that, preacher? By applying instruction and abstaining from evil tonight. 